the humanity of Christ. Is it an essential doctrine to Christianity? And if so, why? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, July the 9th of 2008, and I'm your host, Toby Logston. Welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time and who are joining in on our study on the essentials. Of course, the reason we're doing this study is to define the boundaries of Christianity. These are the doctrines that we don't uh, compromise, that we won't uh, that we won't bend on, so to speak. So anyway, the the ones that we've covered so far that you've missed, if this is your first time joining us, we've covered uh, the unity of God, the trinity of God, and the deity of Christ. Today we're going to be talking about the humanity of Christ. So welcome, everybody. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. Yesterday we had some incredibly uh, insane rain that went for just a couple hours, but uh, we have this creek back about uh, 50, 60 yards behind our house, and it was up into our yard. We got so much rain. And it's been a couple of years since we've had rain that good, but uh, maybe for selling the house, you know, maybe that'll green the grass up enough that somebody will say, hey, look at that fantastic yard. So, uh, of course, that's what we're hoping. Anyway, I did hear from Brian and Sally, and they've moved into an apartment, and they are really excited, and they see a lot of opportunities up there in northwest Arkansas. And, man, I, I just, I can't wait to get there. But I guess right now the average amount of time that a house is on the market is about four months. So uh, we've been on the market a little over two months. So we're hanging in there and just, you know, praying for the Lord's timing and for his will to be done. So thank you for your continued prayers for our church plant in northwest Arkansas. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. And also, we've got a listener who's going to be going on a mission to China. Now, I can't use her uh, her name on the on the lesson here because I wouldn't want her to get in any kind of trouble over there. But we're also going to lift her up in prayer as well for her mission. So let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the things that we've learned so far about you and for these, and for the knowledge that we have of what you've revealed to us through your word. So Lord, I just pray that you would open our minds today to learn more about you, that you would open our hearts so that we would be uh, teachable. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified through this teaching. Lord, I also pray that you would be glorified through the mission of our listener who's going over to China this month. I pray, Lord, that you will be with her, that you will strengthen her, that you will uh, help her to be a light that shines in the darkness. I just pray, Lord, that you will be glorified through her life, through her actions, and through the relationships that she makes while she's over there, Lord. I just pray that you would bring her back safely in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like I said, in our previous lesson, we talked about uh, the deity of Christ. We talked about whether or not Jesus was God, and we determined that it's clear uh, that he is. We covered several Old Testament uh, passages which prophesied that Jesus would be God incarnate, and we covered several verses from the New Testament as well in which Jesus claimed to be God, and you know, in which the apostles uh, and the New Testament writers affirmed that he was God. But we also know that his claims were substantiated by uh, the miracles he performed, or they were authenticated by the miracles that he performed. So we've got a clear picture 
of the divine nature of Jesus. And for that reason, it is essential that we assert that Jesus was fully God in his nature. But that's not all that Jesus was. We also assert that Jesus was fully man. That is, we don't say that Jesus was half God and half man, nor do we assert that Jesus was some kind of hybrid mixture that ends up as a 200% God-man. No, we say that he was 100% God and 100% man. And a lot of people will say, well, that presents a contradiction. Is that a contradiction? Absolutely not. Because uh, logically speaking, we can have several attributes which we possess completely. For example, I am uh, 100% human and 100% American. I'm also 100% redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Amen? So it's not a contradiction to say that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. So let's just ask this then. Why does it even matter what we believe beyond Christ's deity? Isn't it enough just to believe that Jesus was fully God? Well, to answer that as uh, as frankly and as straightforwardly as I possibly can, it matters because the Bible says it matters. In fact, uh, the Apostle John goes so far as to say that, quote, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, this is the deceiver and the Antichrist. That's what we read in Second John chapter 1, verse 7. So what does John mean when he refers to Jesus as having come in the flesh? Well, it refers to the humanity of Jesus. And let's not overlook the fact that John tells us that anyone who denies that Jesus came in the flesh, that is, anyone who denies Jesus' humanity, is a deceiver and antichrist. So clearly, this is an issue that matters. And for that reason, this is going to be the fourth essential doctrine that we cover in this study. And just to remind you guys, this is a study that's being based on the book Conviction Without Compromise. It's written by Dr. Norman Geisler and Dr. Ron Rhodes. And as far as I know, this is the only book of its kind. It's our number one recommended book on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. And if you want to check out our recommended reading list, or if you want to buy any of the books off of our recommended reading list, you you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org, and on the right-hand side, you'll see a page for recommended reading. So check that out, and this is our number one book, Conviction Without Compromise. So anyway, back to our study here. Uh, the fact is that the Bible does teach us that Jesus was 100% human, and that this is an issue that seriously, seriously matters. The Bible teaches us that Jesus experienced every type of temptation that we do. The fact that he was tempted at all is a clear indication of his humanity. James chapter 1 verse 13 tells us that God can't be tempted by evil. Yet in Hebrews uh, chapter 4 verse 15 we read, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So as a man, This tells us that Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin because he was absolutely obedient to the Father, according to John chapter 5, verse 19. But why is this meaningful to us? Why is the fact that he was tempted meaningful to us? Well, it's because the human nature of Jesus had to endure and resist the temptation to sin, and he succeeded in doing so. So what does that tell us? It tells us that sin is not an aspect of human nature that is essential to human nature. Let me say that again, because I don't want you to miss this. It tells us that sin is not an aspect of human nature that is essential 
to human nature. And by the way, that's just another reason that I reject the teachings of hyper-Calvinists such as uh, R.C. Sproul and, and John Piper, for example, who assert that humanity is so thoroughly depraved that sin is an essential aspect of humanity, which has erased the image of God in humanity. Uh, we assert that uh, the image of God has been effaced but not erased in humanity. Jesus was both fully God and fully human. And because he was fully human, he was tested with the same temptations that you and I face, and yet he chose obedience over rebellion. In fact, if you look at the life of of Jesus, it's abundantly clear that Jesus lived a a thoroughly human life. Many aspects of his life were were typical of a regular human being. You know, he had human parents, for example. Mary was Jesus's biological mother, and Joseph was Jesus's legal, but not biological, father. Jesus was born of a woman, as Paul instructs in uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, for example, in which we find at the beginning of uh, Matthew and the beginning of Luke. And, of course, uh, she conceived of him while she was still a virgin, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And it's also significant to note that her pregnancy uh, appears to have been a normal Uh, nine-month pregnancy. If it were anything out of the ordinary, I'm sure that Luke especially would have made note of that since Luke was a doctor. And Jesus also had a birth that was no different from any other childbirth. These things are just recorded as being normal, regular human events. And just like a normal human, Jesus developed in the womb of his mother, Mary, and he developed over time from a baby to a young child, and then from a young child into a normal boy. Uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 40 tells us that Jesus grew and became strong by the age of 12. He also grew in both wisdom and stature according to Luke chapter 2 verse 52. So that's one aspect in which Jesus was human in his upbringing. But Jesus was also human in that he had an ethnicity a particular ethnicity. Ethnically he was a descendant of the tribe of Judah. So he was Jewish and that's what was prophesied in Genesis chapter 49 verse 10. He was also recognized recognized by the Samaritan woman at the well as being Jewish. She recognized that he was a Jew. And we also know that there was nothing about the appearance of Jesus that would have set him apart from everyone else in any way. So uh, as far as his ethnicity was concerned, that's an essential aspect of humanity as well. And Jesus had an ethnicity. But we also know that Jesus had human relatives aside from his mother and father. Uh, Contrary to Roman Catholicism, which teaches that Jesus didn't have any other brothers and sisters because because Mary was uh, a virgin throughout her life, the Bible tells us that Jesus had brothers and sisters. Mark chapter 6 verse 3 specifically tells us that Jesus had brothers named James, Joseph, uh, although I want to pronounce that Yose because that's how you pronounce it in the Greek. But uh, anyway, uh, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon were his brothers, and he also had sisters as well. This is what we learn in Mark chapter 6 verse 3. So uh, so Jesus had siblings, just like a regular human being would have had uh, siblings back in that time. Jesus also had regular human emotions. He had fear, for starters, uh, for example, which was completely evident in his prayers and in his time spent in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his betrayal. And if you read uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, for example, that's, that's what you'll find there. You'll find that he was afraid. 
Uh, and in addition to, to experiencing fear, he also felt sadness. The shortest verse in the Bible is found in John chapter 11, verse 35, and it says, Jesus wept. So for those of you who have trouble memorizing scripture, this one should be no problem for you at all. It just says, Jesus wept. Yes, Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus, just like you know, everybody else would cry over the death of a friend, a loved friend. You know, sometimes Jesus was overwhelmed by uh, by emotion as he prayed, as indicated in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, which says, quote, In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears. So we also know that he experienced emotional torment when he cried out to the Father, you know, why have you forsaken me? You know, we picture Jesus as always being this calm and collected guy, but clearly Jesus had emotions and experienced heartache, and he had fear. He he had emotions, just like we do, just like anyone and everybody else does. So that's another aspect of Jesus' humanity that indicates that he was fully human. But he also ate and got hungry like a regular person. Uh, Of course, we know that he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And Luke chapter 4 verse 2 tells us that after uh, the fasting, he was hungry. People will say that, you know, no person can go without eating for 40 days. But actually, uh, science tells us that people do survive going 40 days without food. You can't go much beyond that. But it's water that a person can't go more than a couple days without. But going 40 days without food would have brought Jesus very close to death. I have no doubt about that. But it would not have necessarily killed a normal person if they were healthy otherwise. So Jesus ate food like a regular person. In fact, he ate food after he was resurrected as well. You know, some people uh, in cults like the Jehovah's Witnesses in particular will assert that Jesus rose from the grave as a spirit, but not in the flesh. But we know that spirits don't eat. They don't need to eat. But uh, but Jesus ate with Simon Peter after being resurrected. This is what we find at the end of John. Uh, he also got thirsty. Jesus also got thirsty. When he was being crucified, he cried out, I am thirsty. That's what we read in John chapter 19, verse 28. And of course, this would be a normal thing for a human to experience, but it wouldn't be something that Jesus could have experienced if he had only been fully God, but not fully man as well. So Jesus uh, got hungry and he ate and drank just like a regular person. And uh, speaking of the crucifixion, by the way, we also know that Jesus experienced extreme pain, which indicates Jesus's humanity. He didn't suffer uh, any less on the cross uh, because he was the incarnate God. He suffered fully. He bled. You know, he suffered. He felt pain, just like any other person who would have been crucified would have suffered. And as a result of his suffering, his body was scarred, just like the body of a regular person would be scarred as a result of having nails and and spikes driven through it, and as a result of being scourged. And that's why when Jesus uh, first saw Thomas, he said, go ahead and, and touch the holes in my hands. See for yourself that these scars, you know, match up with the scars that you would think I would have after being crucified. So uh, so that's another aspect of Jesus's humanity. He felt pain, physical pain. But Jesus also experienced uh, the agony of death, according to the testimony of the apostles, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, verse 24. 
And that's something that he could only experience in his human nature. Uh, Of course, God could never experience the agony of death, but Jesus, in his human nature, experienced the agony of death. So the only human experience that Jesus didn't partake of was sin. He can sympathize us because he endured the same temptations that we face because he was fully man, but he can't sympathize with us for falling into sin because he himself never fell into sin. But, you know, all of this might not answer why it's so significant from a theological perspective, you know, that, that Jesus was uh, fully human. But the reason is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. This is the most important reason. It says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. See, in order for Jesus to be the mediator between man and God, Jesus must be both man and and God. Or we might say that in order to bridge the gap between man and God, Jesus needed to be both man and God. To deny Jesus' humanity uh, historically has been denounced as a heresy. And John makes it clear in the verse that we read at the beginning of the lesson, Second uh, John chapter 1, verse 7, and he made it clear in First John chapter 4, uh, verses 2 and 3 as well, where he wrote, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. But uh, when we read this, note that it doesn't say that the Antichrist is in the world, but it says that the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. So correctly understanding this verse is especially important when we're talking about eschatology, which is end times theology. But anyway, why is John the only one who proclaimed that the denial of Jesus' humanity was such a, a huge mistake uh, to be you know, attributed only to the spirit of the Antichrist? Well, it's because he was the last apostle to die. This book was written very late. Both of these books were written very late. See, he was still alive when Gnosticism was starting to infiltrate the early church. There was a group of people who we refer to as the Docetists, who believed in this type of philosophical dualism in which spiritual things were good, but material things were evil. So in accordance with this philosophy, they denied the possibility that Jesus could be manifest in material flesh, because that would have caused good and evil to be united into one, which would be a logical contradiction. So instead, they just said uh, that Jesus only looked like a human being. He took on the appearance of a human being, but he really wasn't a human being. It was just an illusion. Well, Dr. Geisler and Dr. Rhodes note that there are several other verses which can be used to refute the notion of docetism, including Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 18 and chapter 2 verse 9, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, and 1 John uh, chapter 2 verses 22 and 23, and also chapter 5 verses 1 through 6. So there are certainly several groups which deny the humanity of Jesus. So, uh, so as we close here, let's discuss some of those groups. Uh, like I said, you know, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, first of all, they believe that Jesus did not rise from the grave in the flesh. So when Jesus rose from the grave, according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, he was not human at all. Uh, instead, he was just completely spirit. Uh, and, and how that works for them, you know, I'm not sure because the Bible seems to make it pretty clear that he was not 
uh, just a spirit, but that he rose in the flesh. But that's what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Also, many atheists, of course, will argue that there was no Jesus at all, that such a person never even existed to begin with. So in response, uh, to, to, to say that, to assert that Jesus never even existed is just pure, unadulterated ignorance. Uh, Jesus is mentioned in over 30 writings from the first century, which were outside of the Bible. Uh, Jesus wasn't mentioned just in the Bible. And I can't even tell you how many times I've heard an atheist or an agnostic or or a skeptic or whatever claim that the only historical mention of Jesus was in the Bible. Uh, But the only way to believe that that's the only place that Jesus is mentioned is to be ignorant of the facts. The facts are he was mentioned in several writings that were outside of the Bible, including the writings of Josephus. So for any skeptics or atheists or agnostics who uh, who deny the existence of Jesus, period, um, like I said, that's that's just overlooking the facts. But there are also various UFO cults out there who assert that Jesus was actually either half or fully alien uh, instead of God, instead of being uh, half or fully God. You know, we don't believe that he's half God, but uh, there are some groups out there that do believe that Jesus is half God. But according to these UFO cults, that's how Jesus was able to perform miracles. It's because he was an alien. And, uh, you know, this is just so absurd and so ridiculous. Uh, I, I honestly just don't think it warrants anything more than just a brief mention. But suffice to say that Satan will do and say anything in order for you to deny Jesus. Satan is the father of lies, and this just happens to be a really ridiculous lie that some people out there are actually inclined to believe that Jesus was half or fully alien. But, you know, any group or any person out there who denies that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time before and after the resurrection is teaching nothing less than heresy. They're teaching nothing less than a lie. Jesus was not half human and half God. The Bible teaches that he was fully God and fully man and that this was necessary in order for him to redeem us from the penalty of sin. And this is an essential doctrine of Christianity that we just absolutely cannot compromise on. So, anyway, I hope that this lesson has helped you out. Again, I would strongly, strongly recommend that if you're interested in this subject, that you check out the book Conviction Without Compromise by Norman Geisler and Ron Rhodes. This is a fantastic book. And like I said, it's pretty much uh, one of a kind. I don't know of any other books that, uh, that deal with this many issues uh, so thoroughly and so deeply. So this is definitely a book that I would recommend. But if you guys have any questions, feel free to email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. So anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax deduction 
deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus.